1: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always, it's my friend and yours. Guard that plate, because he's tasting those curly fries. Here is the captain.
0: I always love it when you order curly fries, but you get one onion ring. It's good to be seen, and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we
1: are very excited to be featuring Hazy Jane New England IPA by one of our favorites, BrewDog. This is a New England IPA retuned in Scotland and left unfiltered for a hazy appearance and smooth delivery. Dry hopped with pineapple, mango, and a hint of zesty lime. Garage grade four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. And here's some big cheers to our friends, who helped us out with this week's beer fun. First up, a cheers to Tiffany in Alabama.
0: And a big shout-out to Brooke in Benton, Arkansas.
1: Here's a big cheers to Angie and Vinny in Bonita Springs, Florida. And a big we-like-your-jib to Catherine in Tucson, Arizona. Here's a triple cheers, Captain, to Kai, Logs, and D up in big, beautiful Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. And last but certainly not least, we have Miss Sarah in Shetland, Scotland. Everyone we just mentioned went to TrueCrimeGarage.com, and they helped us out with plugging the holes in the old beer fridge, and for that, we are grateful.
0: Big shout to the Big D. B-W-E-R-U-N, Beer Run. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you tell a friend. Make sure you share it with people on social media, and that is enough of the business.
1: All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some True Crime. This week on True Crime Garage, a 14-year-old girl goes missing. Her parents call police. Police often write missing teens off as runaways. But in this case, she pretty much was a runaway. But then she turned up dead, a victim of a very violent homicide. This teen girl was gone for days and then thrown over a bridge. Detectives say her body was dumped there, but she was not killed there. Under her body, investigators found what they believe was the murder weapon. This was just one of several pieces of evidence collected from the body recovery scene. Evidence the Clay County Sheriff's Office still has and is resubmitting for DNA testing. Some evil monster simply discarded her like trash and no one is talking but why was she the victim of a serial killer did she become just another young girl in a string of victims or did she fall prey to someone closer to home this is true crime garage and this is the case of jennifer metternich In 2001, 14-year-old Jennifer Metternich was living in Woodland Estates Mobile Home Park. This was a large mobile home park situated on 103rd Street in Jacksonville, Florida, which is in Duval County, Florida. It's not one of those parks where people bring their campers. This is a development with a nice sign at the entrance, established smaller homes, and really a community type of feel. As of earlier this year, 2021, the park had 293 residents, so it is quite large. Now, Jennifer lived at 9359 103rd Street on Lot 28 with her mother, Angie Metternach. It's not clear where her father, James, was living at this time. He may have been living with them or how much of a role he played in her life as he's simply absent from all of the stories in the news articles that I could find. Jennifer was a student at Joseph Stilwell Middle School, but at 14 years old, she was starting to behave a little like an older teenager. Her mom later said that Jennifer used to be a good girl, but that changed in the spring of 2001. This would be right around the time that Jennifer turned 14 years old. She says Jennifer started to act out. She began cutting school and so on. Angie said, as quoted in the Florida Times-Union, quote, she started going downhill last year at the end of the school year. She had to go to summer school. She started getting into a little trouble. Now, three weeks before everything happened, everything being what we're leading up to here, Captain, Jennifer got a ticket because she was caught smoking at school. So as you can imagine, Jennifer and her mom started butting heads, as often happens with teen girls and their mothers. And over the weekend of November 3rd and 4th, 2001, Jennifer and her mom had a big argument. Now, according to mom, according to Angie, the two had words over the state of Jennifer's room. It was such a mess that her things were spilling out into the hallway. Now, Angie later told the Florida Times Union that on that Sunday, November 4th, the two worked together to clean up the room, and afterward, Jennifer was allowed to go out to hang with some friends, and at that time, Jennifer left with a girlfriend, someone her mother did not know. As she was told, Jennifer and her friend were going to walk to the Safari food store. This is a convenience store located on 103rd Street in West Jacksonville. This is very near the Woodland Estates where Jennifer lived. So this is a rather short walk. It would have taken the two just a few minutes to get there on foot. Angie said Jennifer kissed her goodbye and told her that she loved her. Now that's the nice version of the story. And if that's what mom says happened, Well, unless you're Casey Anthony or a few other moms that we've discussed here on the show, then we will go with that. We will go with what you're saying. But I do want to take this quick moment here to present a slightly different and maybe still possible series of events, because we've seen this too many times. Maybe mom and Jennifer have some type of blow-up argument. And in typical teen girl fashion, Jennifer storms off to meet up with her friend And because she left in a tizzy, Jennifer took nothing with her. She left the trailer on Sunday, and then she did not come home that Sunday night.
0: Now, even though she didn't come home that night, we still believe that she was alive and well and just staying at a friend's house.
1: Yes, Captain. So I took that time to do a little aside and add in my two cents here because later it was reported that it was not uncommon for Jennifer to spend the night out at a friend's house. This especially after mom and daughter argued. So when she didn't return that Sunday night, her mom probably wasn't too worked up about it. She probably decided to let Jennifer cool off for a bit, but Jennifer didn't come home on Monday night either. So this is not what you think. Right As you pointed out, Captain, Jennifer was still okay even after two nights not at home. She was choosing not to go home. She was being a stubborn little teenager is what she was. Yeah, She was still at the Woodland Estates, just not at her own house. Where she stayed Sunday night, we don't know for certain. And her mother didn't know either. Jennifer did not have a cell phone, so her mom could not reach her or track her movements. Jennifer apparently hung around the neighborhood on Sunday night and Monday. And this will come from other witnesses' statements. As we said, her mom had been struggling with Jennifer cutting school. And sure enough, Jennifer failed to show up at school on Monday. But she was still in the area. Several residents in the mobile home park later told police that Jennifer told them on Monday that she had a fight with her mother and that she had left home. She did not say where she was staying or whether she planned on leaving Woodland Estates or not. Meanwhile, Jennifer's mother apparently decided that enough is enough. Although Jennifer had never run away from home before, she had temporarily left in the past, but Jennifer never stayed away for what was turning out to be this long. It seems that her mom knew that Jennifer was defiantly staying away from home. And wanted to call in some reinforcements to help her corral her rebellious teenager. She reported Jennifer missing to the Duval County Sheriff's Office on Monday night. Clearly, she felt that Jennifer needed, you know, a talking to and perhaps maybe even a, a little scare from someone in a position of authority. Because after she filed the missing persons report on Monday evening at 6 p.m., it's reported that Angie... Jennifer's mom caught a glimpse of Jennifer walking in the distance, still within inside the park. And we know that another neighbor saw Jennifer at this time as well, walking away from her home. But even though Angie could briefly see her daughter, she could not go after her. Now, Angie, from my understanding, was in poor health at this time, and she was not able to get around very easily. So this prevented her from going after her daughter.
0: Well, and also probably one of the reasons she called. Caught- for help.
1: Correct. But it is interesting to note that this sighting of Jennifer did not prompt Angie to cancel that missing persons report that she had previously filed. Angie either wanted or likely felt that she needed interveners, right? AKA police or sheriff's deputies to force the 14 year old to return home and probably, you know, tell her to go easy on her mom. My friend Jessica submitted a request for the missing persons report, and the request was granted. So here is what that report said. On November 5th, 2001, at 8.07 p.m., I was dispatched, not me, your friendly colonel, but uh, the officer writing the report, obviously, was dispatched to a missing person runaway call at 9359 103rd Street. Upon my arrival, I met with the complainant who is the victim's mother. She stated that the victim wanted to go to the store with one of her friends on November 4th at 3.30 in the afternoon. She told the victim that she could go. When the victim did not return, she started checking with some of her neighbors to find out if they had seen the victim. On November 5th at 6 p.m., she saw the victim in their trailer park. She said the victim ran from her and she is in poor health and was unable to go after the victim. The complainant stated that this is not the first time that the victim has not returned home when she was supposed to. She said this is the first time that she has ever stayed gone this long, and that is why she called the police to report the victim missing. The complainant believes that the victim is staying with someone in the trailer park, possibly another unknown girl, that she saw the victim with today. The complainant said this is the first time she has called the police to report the victim as missing. So this report specifies that Jennifer was last seen wearing brown sandals, green and black shorts, and a white t-shirt with red lips, some kind of drawing or decal of red lips on this white t-shirt. She has some facial scars, some small facial scars, uh, some to the upper lip and left eye. Her mental state is on the report is listed as good, her status is listed as runaway, and it's noted that her probable destination was 9359 103rd Street, Woodland Estates Trailer Park. So, she's missing. She's reported missing by mom. Mom catches a brief glimpse of her at some point, but she's hearing from neighbors as well that her daughter still within the confines of this trailer park
0: right there's still eyewitnesses that see her alive
1: she's just not going to school and just not coming home
0: well it's tough we've all been 14 before and i know for me i thought i knew everything and i thought i was smarter than my parents and i thought that i was street wise and and all those things back when i was 14 you quickly find out that you know little to nothing.
1: (laughs) That is so true. That is absolutely true. Now, as noted in the missing persons report, Angie believed Jennifer was still somewhere in the mobile home park and was just refusing to come home. But later on Monday evening, witnesses said that they saw Jennifer walking out of Woodland estates on the access road to the park. This is according to Clay County Sheriff Scott Lancaster. Yet detectives found witnesses who told them that Jennifer was still hanging around the park, staying with who knows and staying who knows where until November 7th. And it seems like this is the time that we really need to start calling everything into question because this is where she seems to have totally dropped off of the radar.
0: But here's one of the problems though, right? You have this 14 year old girl roaming this park Some of these parks, people will live there because the background checks might be different. I don't know if this park is similar to that or not, but you also have a situation where you have a condensed population and she's roaming this park, not going to school, and she's basically advertising to any of the scumbags over there, hey, I'm not being supervised Mm -hmm. and I'm an easy target.
1: I'm not going home. My mother, my parents don't know my exact whereabouts. I'm not going to school. So probably up to no good during what's supposed to be school hours for her. Again, this is really when we start to call a lot of things into question this November 7th date. And it seems like she drops off the radar vanishes really at this point, because this is where we lose track of Jennifer. Now, this is going to take us to November 8th, 2001. This is the Thursday after Jennifer was seen exiting the mobile home park. Remember, that was on Monday. So three days earlier is when she was seen. But on this Thursday, the 8th, we have two teenage boys who decided that they were going to go fishing. This would be under a bridge. Now, the Long Branch Creek runs through. These kids, Maxville neighborhood in Clay County. Remember Jennifer Metternich was reported missing in Duval County. Right. This area where these boys were going to go fishing. This is a remote area described as desolate in one article, about 13 miles away from the Woodland Estates and about two miles across the Clay County, Deval County line. The boys slowly worked their way down the creek embankment and got ready to bait their hooks when something in the water stopped them in their tracks. Here's a quote from the Florida Times Union that reads, quote, they saw what they thought was a body lying face down in the water, sort of on her side with her hip up, said Mary Justino, a spokeswoman for the Clay County Sheriff's Office. They weren't sure if it was something left over from a Halloween prank or a real body. And as all of our garage regulars know, we don't cover Halloween pranks here on this show. So unfortunately, not yet. That's, not, that's someday our,
0: that's our new series.
1: We aspire to cover Halloween pranks.
0: Yeah, and run again. Like we've learned in the last five years, it's it's never a mannequin.
1: So unfortunately, a prank or a fake. It was not. On closer inspection, the boys realized that they had just discovered a body lying in the creek. It was a naked female. One of them ran to his nearby house and told his father, who then called the Clay County Sheriff's Office, who responded to the scene immediately. The responding officer's report was time-stamped at 2100 hours. This reports a body found at 609 County Road, 217 Middleburg, Florida. It reflects the finding of a white female, name and age unknown, Incident type homicide, suspect, and weapon are both listed as UK for unknown. The responding officer was Sergeant CJ Jett, who wrote the following statement. On November 8th, 2001, at 1530 hours, so 330 hours, I was notified via Departmently Pager to respond to the area of 609 County Road, 217 in reference to a death investigation. The body of an unidentified naked white female was found floating in the water next to a bridge. I arrived at the scene at 1605 hours and observed the naked body of an unidentified white female with dark colored hair floating face down in the water on the west side of county maintained two lane cement bridge. The victim's body was retrieved from the water at 18.05 hours. The victim's body was later transported to the medical examiner's office in Jacksonville, Florida. Case pending.
0: One, you got a fill for these two teenage boys that just were going fishing and find this body. And, and at this point, we don't know exactly what condition her body is in. But we've seen some really terrible cases where the bloating of the body and, and water can make it a very horrific sight. And so this would be a pretty traumatic experience for these teenage boys.
1: Now, you'll note that the incident report was filed at 9 p.m., just a handful of hours after the body was found. This indicates that the body was the victim of a homicide. So what we have here is just by the officers arriving on scene, they're visually able to determine before even an autopsy takes place. Right. That this, we're talking about a homicide here. So how did Sergeant Jett know this prior to an autopsy being performed? The answer is simple. It was obvious to anyone who got
0: a good look at the body. I'm guessing puncture wounds.
1: Well, the the young female's body was riddled with stab wounds. Her death had been extremely violent. That's awful. One article we found said her body was, quote, savaged. Detective Rob Schoenover of the Clay County Sheriff's Office Cold Case Division said to First Coast News, quote, with the wounds that you could see during the autopsy, it was very gruesome. The way she died, it was a horrible and tragic death for her to have to go through while your subscription is active.
0: All right, you filthy animals. If you're an animal and you're nasty, make sure you check out our bonus show called Off the Record on Stitcher Premium. You can find out more information at truecrimegarage.com on that. All right, we're back. Cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers
1: to you, Captain. Cheers to all the people who bought the good seats up front. The officer responding to the creek where Jennifer's body was found was Sergeant Jet, who noted that the body was removed and then sent to the Jacksonville Medical Examiner's office for the autopsy. Now, we tried to get a copy of this autopsy report, but could not get our hands on it. I have some speculation to offer up here in this regard, though. Just like most murder case investigations, the physical evidence found at the scene, along with the details in that autopsy report, might be the making or breaking point for your case. But I believe here, in Jennifer's case, it's even more important, and that may become more clear as we continue on, because... As we get through some of these details and specifics here, Captain, we are going to get into some rather interesting suspects in this case.
0: Well, a couple of issues if you're dealing with this investigation is that the body is found in water. So water is known to get rid of certain parts of evidence. Also, we don't know if her body was placed in the water and then moved at some point. The autopsy might be able to show us that, but also being outdoors. It makes the the scene of the crime a lot larger and harder to search.
1: So that's a perfect setup for some of the information that we are going to get into right here, right now. Well, so, I've been practicing. That's right. One statement we were able to get our hands on does offer up some more info, at least in regards to the possible time of death. Now, that statement was... Officials said the unidentified woman died one to three days before she was found. Plus, Sheriff Lancaster told the media at the time that the body was mildly deteriorated when it was found, indicating that she had been dead for more than just a couple of hours. Now, more recently, Detective Schoonover told us that Jennifer was seen alive the night before she was found. So we know based off of this information, that she was dead for not more than about 24 hours.
0: Right, so we have a timeline, and normally in these investigations, the more information we find, the smaller that timeline becomes, that smaller window of when the crime could have taken place. Now, do they believe that she was murdered at sight, or is this a dumping ground? Because to me, this seems like, She was placed there after the murder.
1: So we also learned that she was not bound or restrained in any way when she was found. The Clay County Sheriff's Office spokeswoman Mary Justino told the media that investigators believed that the woman found in the creek likely was killed at another location before her body was dumped under a bridge on County Road 217. This road is just south of the Duval County line. The bridge was a two-lane highway over the creek. Now, Detective Shunover told True Crime Garage that investigators believe that the evidence at the scene showed that the woman had been thrown off of the bridge and was already dead when she was discarded, likely transported by vehicle. So she was killed somewhere else, likely transported via a motor vehicle, and then thrown from the bridge rather than carried down the side of the embankment. And of course, we know who the homicide victim was, but at this time in our timeline for this story, who this young murder victim was, was still unknown to investigators and the public. On November 9th, the Clay County Sheriff's Office released some information about the woman found in Long Branch Creek. They were trying to gather information from the public about who she possibly was.
0: One, to to your point, like you said, she's found in a different county. So one of the things that law enforcement is going to do is to reach out to neighboring counties and go, do you have a missing female?
1: Yeah, comparisons of her physical description to that of missing persons reports from the area turned up nothing, which is difficult because we know she was reported missing. but. As you said, this is a different county. So again, this is kind of surprising given the fact that the pers- the missing persons report was filed in the adjacent county of Duval County four days earlier. But anyway, they didn't put this together at the time. So the Clay County officials issued a statement and a facial reconstruction sketch of the unidentified victim. The statement said that the body found was... Per the Florida Times Union, a white female in her early 20s who stands five foot two inches tall and weighs 115 pounds with brown eyes and dark brown hair falling below her shoulders. And she had a one and a half inch scar near her right eye, two scars on her right upper lip near her nose and a single piercing in both ears. She was wearing a heart shaped ring. And the weird thing here, captain, is they, they mentioned, they kind of go out of their way when I, you know, trying to describe this heart shaped ring. The interesting thing here, captain, is when they describe that she's wearing this heart shaped ring, they also say that she is wearing an engagement ring. Now, obviously we've not seen photos from the autopsy, so we don't know if this is one in, you know, one in the same that the heart-shaped ring is an engagement ring or that she was wearing two rings. So I want to be clear about that before we move on. It was then three days later on November 12th that the Clay County Sheriff's Office was able to determine the identity of the homicide victim. Now, what happened was the Sheriff's Office officials ran the description of the victim we read earlier. They ran this in the Times Union newspaper on November 10th asking for the public to call in tips if they thought they knew who she could be. They also ran the sketch of the victim's face along with the article. Three days later, the Clay County Sheriff's Office spokesperson, Mary Justino, told the newspaper, quote, we got about 25 phone calls based on the picture that had been put out. Of the 25 callers, a few were people who thought it was this girl, the girl from the creek, unfortunately, was Jennifer Metternack.
0: And after Jennifer's body was found, we have a statement issued by the family.
1: Yes, Jennifer's family had to be notified that their beloved daughters was brutally killed. Jennifer's mother must have felt a dis Jennifer's mother must have felt a devastating combination of both guilt and effort, my guess, right? Over her argument with jennifer that caused jennifer to leave but then the knowledge that she had gone above and beyond to trying to get jennifer to come home right by calling in a missing persons report before her daughter was even really missing missing now in an impromptu news conference described by the florida times union this took place on the mobile home park access road angie The mother declined to comment personally. Instead, Jennifer's uncle, Matt Jackson, read the family statement, which was basically asking anyone with any information about Jennifer's slaying to come forward. Now, this was incredibly tragic for Angie because Angie had already lost a child at age one, this before Jennifer was born. And then after that tragedy, she then bravely decided to try to get pregnant again and did. And the new baby was Jennifer. Now, Angie later told the Times Union in an interview about Jennifer, quote, I think children today are growing up too fast. I think she was too. End quote. Captain Ronnie Gann of the Clay County Sheriff's Office said to the media, quote, this was a 14 year old girl who was brutally murdered and dumped in the creek like a piece of trash. Now, detectives were fully vested in this case. From everything that I could find, Captain, all the articles that I was able to review from 2001, my gut tells me these detectives were fully vested in this case and right from Jump Street. They were determined to get to the bottom of this thing and figure out who killed 14-year-old Jennifer Metternich. Once the body was removed from the muddy water and hauled away to the medical examiner's office, investigators from the Clay County Sheriff's Office major case unit began combing the scene for clues as to who the victim was and who had killed her. They scoured the creek banks and bridge area, including nearby woods, until late on that Thursday night and then reconvened for more of the same the next day on Friday divers were brought in to plumb the depths of the Long Branch Creek to see what might have sunk to the bottom. And although this was not revealed at the time, they did find something that is considered a crucial, important piece of evidence. Remember, we said that the investigators believed that the body was thrown from the bridge. Jennifer was already deceased at that time and that she had been killed elsewhere well that's interesting considering what was found at the body recovery scene recall that the police report from the responding officer says that the body was floating in the water the creek was about waist deep at its deepest parts but it was narrow and had muddy banks right it seems that jennifer was floating in a very shallow area of the creek and when medical examiner personnel removed the body, they found something underneath of it. None of this was released at the time. Detective Shunover revealed all of this via a piece on First Coast News that ran back in 2018. Mm-hmm. It said, underneath her body, investigators found the handle of a knife with strands of Jennifer's hair wrapped around it. They believe it was the murder weapon, but the blade portion of the knife was never found. And as stated earlier, the knife handle was just one of several pieces of evidence collected from the scene.
0: If I'm law enforcement, I'm bringing out a scent dog. I know that the thought is that she disappeared from one county. She's found in this county, but maybe a scent dog will lead us in some direction of where this vehicle or this person would have went after they dumped Jennifer's body. The other thing I'm doing is I'm going back to the park and having cadaver dogs walk around every trailer because again, they believe that the murder scene was somewhere else and not at the creek.
1: Yeah, and we know that she was seen at different points in that trailer park. So that seems to me like probably the most likely place if something did go down that led to her death, it may have occurred there. Now, investigators believe that the brass screw top knife handle that was found, which, as the news piece said, has Jennifer's hair entwined in it, was a part of the murder weapon. The thinking is that at some point the blade broke off. The blade portion of the knife captain has never been found. It was not found in Jennifer's body and the Creek was searched thoroughly more than once. Detective Schoonover believes that the knife, which was a unique style with a very large blade broke during the commission of the murder, during the stabbing of Jennifer For some reason, her killer threw the handle into the water where it lay on the muddy creek bottom under her body. Again, the blade, however, is never accounted for. This is a weird portion of the case to me, right? It seems to me like I get it. You got to get rid of this body and you probably want to get rid of the murder weapon as well, but you've only managed to get rid of a portion of the murder weapon. So I kind of kept going around and playing around with this in my head over and over again. Is this something that's just happenstance that uh, something that was unlucky to the killer, that the, the knife handle ended up in the creek with Jennifer, or was this something that was done on purpose? The knife itself, as described as the detective as unique, The best way for me to describe it, and there are some pictures of this knife handle that are available online. This is one of those cases though, Captain, that you're not going to find a whole lot of information about online. Um, It's one of the, it's kind of a lesser known Florida case, but the knife handle itself to kind of give a, a little perspective on why we have the handle, but not the blade, what it looks like to me is that the blade portion probably screwed on top of the handle or the guard to the handle. You'll see these knives a lot. They're like survival-type knives where the handle itself is hollow because in the hollow handle, they usually you can screw off the bottom and place things inside of the handle. Right. A lot of people for survival-type knives will place things like Matches or what have you inside of the handle cocaine. What this makes is for a a situation where the, the blade or the, there's a, a technical term for it. And I'm probably going to get 12 emails about it, but the, the blade itself does not go fully down into the handle. So it makes it more easily to break off. Right. And what you see here in the pictures is you can see hair around the top of the the handle as well as what looks to be, well, I'm sorry, not just looks to be, but it's labeled as victim's blood on the handle
0: itself. But where she was roaming when she left her mother's trailer in the trailer park, there was some. Shady stuff going on in this park.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about these woodland estates for a bit because it seems to be that once she, as you said, Captain, left her mom's home, she's then known to have been moving around, staying God knows where. Right. But we have a lot of statements, eyewitness statements of people who saw her, people who talked with her in the days leading up to her death. And they're all saying, hey, she was still here in the Woodland Estates. So as it turns out,
0: more like hoodlum Estates,
1: the police were all too familiar with the mobile home park where the Metternichs lived. Here's a quote from a resident named Cindy Bowes, who lived near the Metternichs. She did not know them personally, but her daughter was one of the witnesses who said that they saw Jennifer walking away from the direction of her home on Monday afternoon. Cindy told the Times Union, quote, this place is messed up. There's a lot of fighting and drugs. The police are here all of the time. Of course, investigators conducted interviews with residents of the mobile home park. They could not talk to everyone based on the sheer size of the place, but they canvassed the neighborhood and spoke with teens loitering in the area. And anyone who answered the door when they knocked to ask questions, they were hoping that the teens in the neighborhood might know Jennifer, right. might have known her personally, or maybe help them fill out their timeline a little bit leading up to her murder. Mm-hmm. Now, several of them did know Jennifer and per the times union said that several teens said that they had known the teen They described Jennifer as a quiet girl without particular friends or vices saying, quote, she didn't mess with nobody. She just kept to herself, said Stephen Smalls. He goes on to say that she was the kind of person that trusted anybody. Through their canvas, police found that this trusting, naive nature might have made Jennifer vulnerable. And as you pointed out earlier, Captain, If she's out telling people, I'm outdoors, I'm not staying at my mom's house, that too makes her vulnerable as well. Detective Rob Schoonover of the Clay County Sheriff's Office, who reopened this case in 2018 and who spoke with us, told the First Coast News that Jennifer had gotten involved in the adult party scene at Woodland Estates. Per the news report, quote, In the days leading up to her death, Detective Schoenover says some of the adult men in the mobile home park were seen hanging around her and she was spotted at a party. He goes on to say that there were parties going on where she was present with illegal drugs. Again, this from Detective Shunover.
0: The other issue, too, is if she's staying with a friend one night, if her friend's parents say, hey, you know, you need to go back home. You can't stay here. So now you have this 14-year-old kid with not that many options. So even if somebody that you don't know too well, an adult, says, hey, well, you can stay here with me, you might take that option because it's your only option.
1: I agree. I, I think what we're looking at here, Captain, is a situation where Jennifer was couch surfing, and she may have been staying with people that are not so readily willing to admit that she crashed at their place for a night or two.
0: Yeah, because they just don't want to be even looked at as a suspect.
1: Yeah, or they're adult men, right? Right. You don't want to be... No
0: creepos.
1: Yeah, you don't want law enforcement knowing that you're hanging out with a juvenile and that she's seen at locations that contain illegal drugs.
0: The other thing that needs to happen in this case is, like you said, she's a 14-year-old girl we need to do the old pervert roundup
1: well that was something that was absolutely conducted now what we do know per law enforcement is that Jennifer was hanging out with adult men and we have to factor in the fact that based off of the information we have from the body recovery scene Was that Jennifer was wearing what some have said looked to be like an engagement ring. So the other thing that I want to know is who gave her that ring? Who gave that ring to her? Right. Was this someone who wanted her to feel emotionally invested and trusting? Was this the, you know, made to look like some type of relationship between Unknown person and 14-year-old Jennifer?
0: Yeah, or she's couch surfing as a, a item that she stole from somebody.
1: Could be, but until you have an explanation for why that item is found on her body, you have to seek out that explanation. A few days after Jennifer was identified, Clay County Sheriff Scott Lancaster asked the public to call police if they had any idea where Jennifer was during that time frame and who she had been with in the time period of November 5th to November 8th, when she was eventually found. He said that the investigation was a joint effort between Clay and Duval County authorities. And somewhat dishearteningly, Sheriff Lancaster said that there were no suspects in Jennifer's murder. But this is not, or it was not really true. Or if it was true, it would not be for long.
0: Yeah, but sometimes law enforcement misspeaks and maybe it was just we have no suspects at this time that we're willing to tell the public about.
1: Correct. And it looks to me that at some point detectives made up their minds pretty much about who had killed Jennifer. And we've seen this in several other cases. The problem was proving it. So no arrests were made immediately after finding her body or having her identified no arrests were made in their initial efforts in the investigation so the case stalled
0: for everything true crime check out truecrimegarage.com and join us back here tomorrow for part two
1: that's right. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there. Part two is coming at you tomorrow here in the garage. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't worry.